Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Vayigash Shishi, the sixth Aliyah in Parshas Vayigash. Our Aliyah is about the first ghetto. It talks about the descent of Yaakov and his children to Egypt and the first encounter with the Egyptians. We uh, have 15 psukim in Aliyah as it runs from Perek Mem Vov Pasuk Chavches to Mem Zayin Pasuk Yud. Basic overview and then we'll jump into some points to ponder is Yehuda is sent ahead of time to Goshen. Um, and they come to the land of Goshen. Yosef then gets onto his chariot. He goes to meet his father Yisrael and he appears to him and Yaakov and falls upon his shoulders and cries on his shoulders extensively. Yisrael says, this is Yaakov, says to Yosef, I, will now, I can die now that I've seen your face, that you're still alive. Yosef then calls his brothers and his father and he says, I'm going to present you to, my, to the Pharaoh. Um, and he says, I'm going to tell you that, that, that you, I'm going to tell him that you are shepherds. And so when he asks you, what is your profession? You should say, we are shepherds. We've always been shepherds. And the reason is, is that you should stay in Goshen because they despise shepherds. Yosef then goes and he takes a number of his brothers to, his, to the Pharaoh and he, few, a few of them, he takes five of the brothers, he presents them in front of the Pharaoh and Pharaoh turns to them and says, what do you do? And they say, well, we're shepherds, as they were said. And then Pharaoh says, um, well, there's, uh, um, uh, you know, the, the, the famine is, is very rough here. He says, um, the land of Egypt is, front, is open to you, so settle your, your, your father, your brothers in the best part of the land and Goshen would be a good idea and you can make them in terms of a charge of the mikneh, the cattle which I have. Yosef then presents his father in front of the Pharaoh and Yaakov blesses Pharaoh and Pharaoh says to Yaakov, How old are you? And Yaakov gives a very curious answer. He says, Yemei shanei megurai, the days of my sojourning, shloshimum as shanoh, 130 years, ma'at um, v'ra'im, they are few and bitter. Hayu yemei shanei chayai, are the days of my life. V'lo yisigus yemei shanei chayai, v'asab yemei megurihim. And they did not meet, reach or meet the years of my patriarchs, of my fathers. Yaakov then gives a blessing to Pharaoh and leaves. A lot of very fascinating questions to think about in this idea. First of all, why is that Yehuda was sent ahead? So Rashi quotes the Medrash that he was sent to build a base Medrash. Now, when we read this, we say, well, wait a second, that's Medrash. Where did the Medrash get this from? So if you look carefully in the Pasuk, the words used to describe what he was doing was Lahorois Lefonov, to teach in front of him, from the word Torah. So the idea is not simply to set up shop, to make a, a longhouse, to set up a market and commerce. It was to set up the walls of teaching. And the Rav Cook actually points out that the methodology of Yosef and Yehuda in coming to a new place is very different. The methodology of Yosef is that he can survive in a foreign area as long as he is within his sight. He, as long as he has within his vision the idea and the ideology of his father. Whereas when it comes to Yehuda, he first needs to build the walls of insulation to establish his own culture before going to a foreign culture as well. Very important dichotomy which we've been seeing throughout the last few parashios. Now, what, what was actually going on during the meeting of Yosef and Yaakov? It sounds like Yosef is doing a lot of crying. What is Yaakov doing? So famously the Medrash says, and, and Rashi quotes it, that he was saying Shema, which is strange. Why would he be saying Shema out of all times now? The, the time of Kriya Shema in the morning arrived? Like, why, why is he saying it now? 
So the Haimek Dabar, Rabbi Natali Sayyid Berlin has a remarkable insight over here, and that is, is that he, he, he is in the camp along with the Ramban, that Yosef was really trying to bring about the fulfillment of his dreams. His beliefs, his dreams were prescriptive, they demanded action, and therefore that was the reason why he set up this entire ruse in the first place. He was trying to get his brothers to come down, all 11 of them to bow first, and now he, this is the second dream, because if you remember, he had one dream where the 11 bundles of his brothers bowed to him, and then there were the bundles, then there were the, the sun and the moon and the stars that were going to bow to him. So Yosef had already accomplished the first dream being fulfilled, now he was trying to accomplish the second one. So he wanted his father to bow to him as a fulfillment of the Shemesh, of the sun bowing to him, yet he wanted to do it in a way that would be not embarrassing to his father. So what he did was, he actually set up another ruse here. What he did was he got onto the chariot of the Pharaoh and he dressed up like the Pharaoh, looking like the king of Egypt, so that Yaakov Avinu would bow down to him out of respect, thinking he was the king, when actually he was just the viceroy, thereby having achieved that his father would have done what it was that was in the dream without having belittled himself in front of his own son. When Yaakov Avinu realized that, and he saw that it was Yosef, and he realized why Yosef must have been doing this, there was this terrible feeling of void, this terrible feeling of emptiness, that Yosef didn't trust him enough that he would actually kowtow and abide by the prophecy, by the, by the nevoah. After all, we know that in the beginning of Ayesha, it says, Yaakov believed in Yosef's dreams. He believed that there was truth to them. And it hurt him so deeply that he, re he returned to that, that innermost place in himself where he actually taught, where he says, Kriyashma, where he is, Hashem. He sees Hashem in everything, even in the bitter parts of life that Yosef had to do such a, we'll call it, devious action at this point in time. Very different way of looking at this whole episode over here, which is what the Haya Magdara goes into in great depth. Um, another question over here is, why is the focus on shepherds? Why is that Yosef so insistent that this is the profession they have to tell the Pharaoh? So it's interesting that those Naim Torah takes a, a, a certain track, and the Rabbeinu Bechai takes a certain track, that the, that the point he's trying to make to the Pharaoh is, is that we, there's a drought in the land, yes, and there's not so much agriculture and, and farm, but in the end of the day, we, we, we have professions. It's not that we're coming here because, you know, we're, we're just trying to get across the border so we can get jobs from your, from you, from your economy because we can't make it by ourselves. No, we're making it. We have, we have, we have, uh, we have uh, livestock. We don't, we're not dependent on agriculture in the same way that you are. So it's, it's, it's an expression of independence of people who live honest, uh, honest lives, making their own meals, Making their, making their own success. That's the, the idea is trying to convey to the Pharaoh. However, there's another idea that Rabbeinu Bechaya also points out, and the Ha'emagdavar also takes to a great length over here, and that is, is that focusing on the Pasuk says is that because the Egyptians served the, the sheep as their god, they, were, they would be very distasteful about shepherds who, who would shepherd and, and herd their gods, and therefore this would in, encourage the Egyptians to separate themselves from the Hebrews, which is what the plan was, in order to create the first created ghetto. That's what the Haimekdara says, because there's a terrible danger that's involved in Jewish history, and that is when integration happens, the integration goes too far. Jews were very good at being successful in society, and they love to be successful in the terms of that country that they're in. But that's not so good for Judaism. It's not good for the traditionalism of that society. In fact, when Judaism started dealing with this was in the very in the, the countries that allowed the ghetto walls down. So when Spain had its golden age, when Rome allowed the the, the ghettos down, when they, when they were uh, when when Napoleon swept through Europe in the eighteen hundreds, and uh, 
And there was this in, in, moment of the breaking down of the ghetto walls. It was not so good, ultimately, for the Jews. When the Jews integrated and had to deal with the society, there came new challenges about involvement in that society. And what's being said over here, and it comes down to the same thing as Yehud is being sent forward ahead to do, is to create a certain degree of isolation in order for success to occur. And that's what seems to be the focus over here as well. Um, let's, go a little, let's go a little further as well. Um, another question is over here is, what is the dialogue between the Pharaoh, Paro, and Yaakov? You know? So it is interesting that there is actually a very beautiful description over here that, the, that um, is discussed in the, um, the Diocese of Kenyan. The Ramban also talks about this as well that, in fact, Yaakov was punished for his very bitter response to Paro. The Pharaoh asked him, how old are you? And he says, I'm 130, but I've lived a very bitter and, and difficult life. Now, is that a true reflection? The answer is absolutely. He, 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 had, he was in refuge for 20 years from his own brother trying to kill him after having listened to his mother for doing what he knew his mother was thought, thought was right, even though, and still having to suffer the consequences. And after all of that, he was cheated, swindled by his father-in-law, married, married to, 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 to two wives who had discord between them, sons who had discord between them, his daughter, a daughter was raped, his sons killed the, the village around it, his sons disappeared. I mean, he has had a very difficult life. They, these are this is an accurate description. However, says the diocese of Canaan that he lost 33 years of his life with 33 words in the description of the bitterness. He shouldn't be living with this um, in, in such a way. What is interesting is that Rachaim Shulevitz points out in his Sichos Musar on the Torah that if you actually count the words in the Pasuk, the only way you get to 33 is if you include the, the question that Pharaoh asks as well. There's not 33 just in the response of Yaakov. So how, why is he being punished? Meaning Yaakov should have lived to 180. He only lived to 147, living now 17 years in Egypt after his arrival. So why, why should he be punished for Paro's question? So Rahim Shulevitz answered in a very powerful way. He says, because Yaakov's face begged the question. Because the reason why Pharaoh was asking was because he could see the creases of pain and the, the, the scars of suffering in the face of Yaakov. And he wore that pain on his face and, and perhaps justifiably so. But if one's face is public and the suffering of Yaakov, perhaps the attitude he should have had should have been a little bit different. There was a lot to be grateful for as well. And therefore, that was the criticism which he had. This, by the way, may not be a punishment. This may be a consequence in the sense that when people live with bitterness and they, 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 their bitterness is in the forefront of their mind, that does take away years of their life. Gratitude does extend the length of one's life. This has been shown true in a number of studies. And so this is perhaps a reflection of the bitterness with which Yaakov lived as well. It's interesting that I actually heard this chat, this idea of Rav Chaim Shmuelevitz from one of his students, Rav Nosson Svi Finkel, Zeich when he was in America. And, uh, and he had um, Parkinson's and he was not taking medication because of the ma mind dimming um, side effects of those medications. And he was sitting in a de deeply uncomfortable position, uh, rocking backwards and forwards as he said this. And it was amazing to see the radiance on his face as he said this, a person who really truly had mastered the choice of seeing the goodness in life and overcoming the bitterness despite the fact that there was much of it in one's life. Very powerful perspective to think about the efforts that we need to make when it comes to reflecting on our own lives. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.